Hey, anyways, thank you so much for joining us today. For those of you who are here in person, for those of you who are watching online, we uh, so appreciate uh, you being out there. You know, last night I had an opportunity. Um, uh, we heard from somebody who watches us online from Wellington, New Zealand. And he reached out to us last night, and I got a chance to connect with him. And uh, it was pretty cool. He said there aren't very many churches in Wellington. And so he said he found us about seven months ago. And so he said he's been watching ever since, and he considers South Bay Community Church to be his home. So I thought that was pretty cool, and I sent him a prayer. And so uh, that's really cool. So Justin, if you're watching, God bless you out there from your family out here in, uh, in South Bay, you know, at South Bay Community Church. Well, I am excited to be with you today because I have something very cool that I want to share with you uh, in just a moment. But first, I, I want to introduce someone to you. Speaking of down under, places down under, um, I want to introduce someone to you. His name is Lawrence Bittar. And Lawrence uh, and I became friends a couple years ago, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. Lawrence lives in Brisbane, uh, Australia. And I met Lawrence online because I was looking for someone who would be able to translate our gospel video, which we did a couple years ago, into Japanese. And so I looked around, I couldn't find anybody, and finally I found Lawrence, because even though he's Australian, he speaks fluent Japanese, and he said he was willing to translate our gospel video, which he did, and this is what it looks like if you just were to look at it on YouTube. And, um, and so we've been helping him promote the video. We've been paying for for some of the advertisement on that. Here's the link if you wish to watch it, if you'd like to watch it. For those of you who are watching online, we'll put it in the chat box there for you. You might want to just take a picture of it so you have the link. But to date, more than 250,000 Japanese have watched the videos. You can see from the numbers there. And we are so excited about that. If you are ever looking for an opportunity for Japanese ministry to engage with Japanese people, there have been over 1,000 likes there have been hundreds of comments. And, uh, of course, I don't read Japanese, but what I'll go there is I'll, uh, I'll copy the comments, put it in Google Translate from Japanese to English, and it'll tell me what it says. Sometimes it's probably not real accurate, but then I sometimes I'll reply, and uh, hopefully that's accurate. But uh, so many of the inquiries and comments are about, well, you know, I, I don't believe there's a God. How can there be a God? Um, and so it's really cool, and so we're really thankful but uh, 250,000 people have watched it. And uh, one young lady who posted a comment said this. She wrote, quote, I had depression and thought about suicide once when I heard that God loved me so much to allow his son to die on the cross for me. I was shocked because it's completely unthinkable to let your child die. I want to respond to God by reading the Bible as a first step. Thank you very much. And so that's what she wrote. So we were really excited by that comment and there's somebody else who accepted Christ but yesterday or Friday I should say Lawrence uh, flew in to LA uh, and LAX just he came on his own dime and just wanted to hang out with us for a couple for a week or so and so he's here I don't know if Lawrence are you here today if you're here would you just kind of stand there he is right there just wave your hand everybody so everybody can see you so um if you, if, you, if you say hi to Lawrence, you can just say, hey, mate, and he'll, or konnichiwa, and he'll answer, and he'll respond. And if you want to take him out to lunch or dinner, that'd be cool. I know he'd love to just hang out with you. So, uh, you know, praise the, I praise the Lord for you, Lawrence, for the way that God's using you. Now, on a sadder note, um, I learned this week that a, a really precious member of our church family who lives in New York, Margie Riley, went home to be with the Lord last Sunday. And this is Margie well, their husband, Tom, uh, Margie is uh, Chris, Kathy Lai's uh, uh, cousin, and they watch us online from New York. But every year when Margie visits us here, I mean, visits the family here in the South Bay, she always comes to church. Well, on one of those visits several years ago, she uh, received Christ, gave her heart to the Lord. And, and so we can say with a lot of certainty that she's in heaven today. And our hearts go out to Tom. Our hearts are broken for you, Tom, if you're watching. Um, you know, our hearts ache for you. I just want you to know that your family here. And, but we're so great, grateful and thankful that, that Margie is alive and in heaven today. So I thought that before we begin, I want to open up our time in a word of prayer. And let's keep Tom in our prayers um, as a member of our family in New York and, and even for Justin in New Zealand. And for, for all of you, I know that many of you are going through some really tough times. And so 
let's just come before the Lord and, and pray and ask God to, to bless us, okay? Well, let's pray. Well, Father, it is so good to, uh, to come together to, to be church and, and to, uh, to come and worship you and hear from your word. And Father, our, we're just so blessed beyond words, God, to think that you've allowed us to impact people all over the world. Father, thank you for Justin, who's watching in New Zealand, and we ask God for your blessings to be upon him. Father, we thank you for our brother, um, Lawrence, who came all the way from Australia, God, and for the way that you're using him to reach Japanese people. And, and Father, our hearts go out to Tom, God, as he's just lost his beloved wife, Margie. And Lord, we're so thankful that she's in heaven today. And we, we pray, Father, that you would, you would, we pray that that thought would bring comfort to Tom and his family. And we pray, God, that he would ex experience and sense your presence with him through this very dark time. So, Father, thank you so much for our family, the way that it's growing for, for people all over the, the world, literally. And, Father, today as we come and open up your word, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us as we delve into what you have to say about who you are, Father God. So we love you. Will you bless us? Will you speak to us? Will you, will you fire us up, God, and ask all these things in Jesus' name? Amen. Well, hey, if you're joining us for the first time today, we've been in a series called What We Believe. And th the series is really based on a systematic theology class that you might take in a Bible school or even at a, a seminary. And so thus far, we've been talking about, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about God and who God is. And we, we looked at the fact that God does, in fact, exist. And then last week, Pastor Greg told us about how he exists in three forms, in the form of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But today, I want to continue on with the subject of God and tell you about three of God's incommunicable attributes, three incommunicable attributes. Now, all of God's attributes can be divided up into two categories. God has communicable attributes, and he has incommunicable attributes. Now, the communicable attributes are those attributes which humans also possess in addition to God. So, for example... God is love. He is love, but we can also have love. We are loving people, hopefully. And so that's a communicable attribute. Another communicable attribute might be mercy or patience or goodness or kindness. God has all those things, but people can have those attributes as well. And so these are called communicable attributes. Now, God's incommunicable attributes are those attributes that only God possesses. They are reserved only for God. People don't have these attributes. So, for example, uh, one of God's incommunicable communicable attributes would be sovereignty. God is sovereign. God is in control. People are not sovereign. We are not in control. And so it's an incommunicable attribute. And there are others. So the three that I want to tell you about today are God's omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. And all three of these are his incommunicable attributes. Now, all three of these words are Latin in origination. They are not Greek or Hebrew in origination, but they are Latin. And they all contain the suffix. If you look at these words, they all contain the suffix omni, which is the Latin word for all. In case you're wondering, omni is not Greek. There's no connection between omni and omicron. There's no connection, right? Omicron is a Greek letter, is a letter in the Greek alphabet like delta but it is not Latin, all right? So when you take the word omniscience, it kind of breaks up, would spell it omniscience. It's not that science is actually not pronounced science in Latin, it would be pronounced sensia. Sensia, and it means knowledge. Therefore, omniscience refers to the fact that God is all-knowing. He is all-knowing. Likewise, the word omnipotence means that God is all-powerful, and God's omnipresence refers to the fact that God is everywhere. And again, you won't find any of these words in the scriptures itself. Theologians came up with these words to describe God much, much later on after the Bible was written. And I think that what you're going to learn today is going to really pump you up. So I want to encourage you to get out your Bible, all right, take out a pad of paper to take notes. I think that's always going to be helpful. And I think that... Uh, the, the, our app will be particularly helpful today. So if you don't have our app, you can open up our app on your phone 
And uh, you, you can get the app. If you don't have it, you can get it at the Google Play or Apple Store. Just look up South Bay Community Church, and you'll find our app there. And uh, it'll be helpful to you today because we're going to go through a lot of scriptures, and they're going to be all listed there for you. Okay? So as I said at the top of the message, I have something really cool that I want to show you because I have been working on a Jedi mind trick. All right? Jedi mind trick. So I'm, I'm wondering, first of all, um, is Elias here? Is is Elias? Elias is not here. Okay. Jedi. Jedi, are you here? Jedi, Duke. I know you're here because I saw you come in. Jedi, will you come up and give me a hand? Come on up here. Jedi, will you come and give me a hand? I have to ask Jedi to come up because this is a Jedi mind trick, and Jedi has no, had no idea I was going to ask him to come up here. So give Jedi a big hand, okay? <laughs> Jedi is... His, his real name is Jedediah. He's, have a seat. He's from Chicago or Hawaii by way of Chicago and Miami, but he's now here in um, Southern California. Say hi to everyone. Hello. <laughs> okay, so Jedi. So I have um, a deck of cards here, okay? And you can take a look at the cards. I'll put this down. You can take a look at the cards and... Um, you can see that it's a normal deck of cards, right? You want to show, the, show everyone the audience it's a normal deck of cards. There's not, you know, two of one uh, at all, okay? And what I want you to do in just a moment is I want you to deal down the cards, all right? And when you finish the last card, I'm going to tell you what that card is, all right? Because I know, all right? <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to write the name of that card on this tablet, all right? So you can see the tablet's blank, right? There's nothing on the tablet, all right? But I'm gonna write that card, that last card you placed down. I know what it is, all right? Let me. Is that how you do it? Okay, I think I got it, all right? So I think it's the. I think that's going to be your last card, okay? All right, so just to make it interesting, why don't you shuffle the cards, okay? Shuffle the cards any way you want, as much as you want, just so that people don't think that I put the cards in any particular order. You want to go ahead and shuffle the cards, okay? You can shuffle it as much as you want because I don't want anyone to think that this is rigged, all right? Okay, you ready? Is that good? Okay. Uh, now, just start laying down the cards, okay? Just deal the cards as much as you want and stop wherever you want. Oh, that's a lot of cards. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. You want to put any more cards down? No. Oh, good. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> so I told you that I know what that card is. I know what that card is right there because I wrote it right down here on this tablet, uh -huh. right? What's the card? King of Hearts. King. Say it for everybody. King of Hearts. Okay. King of Hearts, everyone, okay? That's the card that I predicted would be that card. All right? You want to flip it over? No, no, no. This card. <laughs> <laughs> this card. King of Hearts. All right? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Would you like to know how I did it? I can't tell you. <laughs> well, isn't that kind of cool? You know, I, I want you to know I don't have any kind of special powers, and I don't have any powers to tell you what all those cards are in one particular order. Um, it was a trick, but uh, God knows, right? God would be able to tell you what all those cards are in, in any particular order because God is omniscient. And that's the first incommunicable attribute that I want to tell you about. God is all-knowing. God is all-knowing. Let me get, begin by just giving you a whole bunch of verses about what God knows about you, all right, what God knows about us. And uh, rather than look all these up through your Bible, because I'm going to just kind of go through these real quickly. Again, again, you might look on, a, look on our app but, and just write these down, but look, I'll put them all up on the screen for you, okay? Number one, number one, Matthew 10, verse 30 says, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered, right? God knows you so well that he knows the number of hairs on your head. 
Now, for some of you, you even know the number of hairs on your head because you don't have any hairs on your head, right? So you would know that as well. But God knows the number, knows you so well. He knows the number of hairs on your head. In fact, he knows the number of zits on your face. He, he knows the number of cells in your body, which would be anywhere around 37 trillion or more. God knows everything about you. Number two, Psalm 139 verse 2 says, You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. He knows what you are doing every single day. He knows when you get up and he knows when you go to sleep. Hour by hour, minute by minute, he knows what you're up to. He knows when you exercise. He knows when you go to work. He knows when you go to school. He knows when you go to church and when you don't go to church. He knows when you're goofing around. He knows when you're doing something bad or something good. Number three, Psalm 139, verse 4. says, even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. See, God knows what you're going to say even before you say it. God knows if you're going to say something nice, and he knows before you put your foot in mouth that you're going to put your foot in your mouth. He knows you better than you know yourself. Number four, Matthew 9, verse 4 says, But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? See, God knows everything that you're thinking. He knows everything that you're thinking, including evil thoughts that you have in your heart. He knows when you lust. He knows when you have selfish motives. He knows when you hate. He knows when you feel greedy. He knows everything about you. Number five, Psalm 139, verse 16. says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. In other words, it says here that God knew, knew you even before you were conceived. He knew you even before you were born. He knew you before you were even a twinkle in your mother and father's eyes. And this verse is another reason why abortion is wrong, because in God's eyes, he knows us. We're alive even before we're born. And not only that, it says that every one of our days have been ordained for us, meaning he knows your birth date, he knows your death date, and he knows every single date in between and what's going to happen to you. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. He knows what you're going to do the day after. He knows what you're going to do next week. He knows what you're going to do next month and next year. He knows what school you're going to go to. He knows if you're going to get married and who you're going to get married to. He's going to know if you're going to have kids and who your kids are and how many kids you will have and, and what you're going to name them. He knows where you're going to work and he knows where you're going to live. He knows everything about you. Not only that, he knows all of the adversities and all the struggles and all the problems you will have throughout life. Number six. Matthew 6, verse 3 says, But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. He knows all of your dirty little secrets. This is a scary one, isn't it? He knows all of your secrets. We all have secrets. We all have something that nobody knows about except us and God, because he knows them all. Number seven, Psalm 147, verse four says, he determines the number of the stars. He gives to all of them their names. And then Isaiah 40, verse 26 says, lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name by the greatness of his might. And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. He knows everything in the heavens. The other day, NASA released one of the photos, one of the first photos that was taken by the James Webb Telescope, a star that is located 2,000 light years away. This is it right here. This was the, the image that Webb captured, 2,000 light years away. Now, one light year is 5.88 trillion miles. That's one light year. This star is 2,000 light years away, which means it is 5.88 trillion times 2,000. That's how far away this star is. And one thing I didn't realize after I saw this was that there in the corner on the top, you see that little disc, and there's another one on the side, and there's another one here, and there's another one here, and there's another one here, those little discs. Those are galaxies. This is a deep field photograph. Those are galaxies, like our Milky Way galaxy. And, each, and in each of those galaxies, there are literally billions and trillions of stars and solar systems and planets. It's absolutely outrageous. This star, by the way, is absolutely, is 16 times intrinsically brighter than the sun, 
I mean, it is, the image of it is absolutely breathtaking, and it is mind-boggling to think that God hung this star in the universe and gave it a name. NASA gave it a number. NASA calls this star HD 84406, HD 84406, but God gave it a name. God gave it a name. And I want to give a shout-out to David Lee, who was at our first service this morning. And uh, David played a huge role uh, in the development of the Webb Telescope. He's worked on it for 12 years. He was the systems engineering director for the Webb Telescope. And thanks to the Webb, thanks to the Webb, the world is going to see the handiwork of God in a way we've never seen it before. Finally, number eight, 1 John 3.20 says, For whenever our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. And I think this verse really sums it all up. God knows everything. He knows everything. He knows everything because he is omniscient. All right? The implications of God's omniscience are absolutely staggering. They are staggering. For those who don't believe in God, the thought that God knows everything ought to strike terror and fear into your hearts because he knows everything about you. He knows what you're thinking. He knows every secret. He knows every deed whether they're good or they're bad. And one day, the Bible says you have to give an account of your lives to God because of everything he knows about you. Romans 14, 12 says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Right? No one can escape God's judgment. And so God's omniscience is bad news for those who don't follow Christ. It's bad news. Two weeks ago, I asked you to pray for Pastor Alexander who is the president of a, of a very influential seminary in Ukraine, uh, just outside of Kiev. Now, he is a friend of a friend. And I told you that Alexander is not his name. Uh, and so out of an abundance of caution, I'm going to continue to refer to him just as Pastor Alexander. But I did some checking, and I found out that Pastor Alexander has a doctor of ministry degree from Dallas Theological Seminary, comes from a very solid uh, background, uh, he has more than 800 students uh, who attend his seminary there in Ukraine. And I don't know if you know this or not, but Ukraine is considered the Bible Belt of Eastern Europe. I mean, there are probably more Christians packed into Ukraine than any other country in Eastern Europe. And that's why what's happening there is so tragic and heartbreaking. But this week, um, I got his email, and I decided to reach out to him, and, and he replied right away. And I want to share with you what he wrote me. He wrote, Dear Gary, by the grace of God, we are alive. Every morning when we wake up, we are saying meaningfully, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Only 20 days of war, but it feels like a few years. Whatever is going on now in Ukraine is not a war. It's genocide of Russia against Ukrainian nation. Russia is using all forces, missiles, air force, navy, tanks, multiple troops for destroying schools, hospitals, private houses of civil people in Ukraine. Putin is a modern Hitler. Many people were killed. A lot of them don't have homes and food to survive. There are a lot of refugees now from all over of Ukraine. They left everything and have nothing. That's what he wrote me. It's absolutely heartbreaking. And the situation seems to be getting worse by the minute. If you are, if you are following the news, I follow it every day. For example, just the other day, I heard about a young man named Anatoly. This is Anatoly. He attends Irpin Bible Church. Irpin is a city there in, 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 in Ukraine, not too far from Kiev. But Anatoly is 26 years old. He's on the media team at his church. He could be somebody who serves in our church. When the Russians started shelling Irpin, he, along with others, tried to escape across this collapsed bridge in Irpin. He ran across the bridge holding a suitcase for, for a mother who was trying to make her way across the the, the bridge as well. She had her nine and 18 year old daughters. All four of them were running together when a mortar shell hit the bridge. When he didn't show up where he was supposed to the next day, his friends began to worry and they began to look for him and they began to pray and they scanned social media sites looking for any word of him. And one of his friends found a photograph that was on Twitter actually. It was a photo of his sneaker. And another one was a photo of his sweater. And a few minutes later, they found a third photo that revealed his face. I saw the photo. The mother and the children were also lying next to him. All four of them were killed. Anatoly's pastor 
said that he was a deeply spiritual man, that he loved serving the Lord. For those who are killing all these innocent men and women and children, God's omniscience is bad news. And by the way, I just want to say that after the first service, I had a beautiful young mother uh, from Russia. And she said her family, many family members are in Ukraine. But she says that she has been on the receiving end of so much hate because she says they put all Russians together simply because of what Putin is doing there. All right, I want to encourage you. You know, we don't hate other people simply because of um, something a leader is doing. We don't hate Chinese because of what Xi Jinping may do, or we don't hate uh, Russians because of what Putin is doing, right? And so um, I was just deeply moved by what she had to share with me. And so we want to continue to always be a loving community to everyone around us. But for those who are killing innocent men, women, and children, for those who lie, cheat, and steal right here in our own country, in our own neighborhoods, right, God's omniscience is bad news because one day they will be called to account for their lives because God knows everything. And by the way, I asked Pastor Alexander if there was any way that our church could help, and the first thing he said was, please pray for us. He said, we desperately need your prayers. Please pray for us. I asked him what his seminary students were doing. He said some of the students, he said, joined the army to fight. He said others left with their families. He said others have stayed back to help those who are in need. Second, he said that if we wanted to make a donation, he said they would use those funds. He created a, a, an account here in the U.S. He said he... Um, he said he would use those funds to help those who are in greatest need because they don't even have, some of the families don't even have food. And so I discussed that immediately with our elders, and we decided to wire him $5,000, which we did this last Friday. And we're going to continue to monitor that, and if we need to send him more, we'll send him more. But, but our ability to, to write a check like that and wire it to him that quickly is simply because you're so generous in your giving that we have the resources to do that. So church, thank you so much. You are making a difference even there. So while God's omniscience is bad news for the unbeliever, God's omniscience is good news for the believer. It's good news for us. First, for those of us who are Christ followers, the knowledge of God's omniscience ought to fill us with a sense of awe and wonder at who God is. I mean, we literally ought to fall down on our feet before him and worship him and praise him because of who he is. Psalm 139, verse 6, David wrote, Such knowledge that God is omniscient is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. In other words, David said, I can't even wrap my heads around this thing, that God knows everything. This is crazy. Second, God's omniscience should bring us an overwhelming, unending sense of joy to our hearts, and I know it does to mine. It brings joy to my hearts because, and the reason I have joy is because when I realize what God knows about me, that not only does he know everything about me, but he knows all of my junk and all of my ugliness and all of my pain and all of my brokenness and all of my sins and all of my failures. And when I realize that after all that God knows about me and he still loves me, I can't help but have joy. I just am overwhelmed with joy that God loves me in spite of what he knows about me. Third, the thought that God is omniscient ought to bring great comfort to our hearts. Reminds me of the story of Hagar in Genesis chapter 16. You might remember Hagar. She became pregnant, and she found herself to be an outcast. She was alone. She was abused. She was mistreated. She despaired of life itself. And what did she do? She proclaimed God's omniscience. Genesis 16, 13 says, So she called the name of the Lord who spoke to her, For you are a God of seeing, for she said. You are a God of seeing. Truly here I have seen him who looks after me. I love this. Here's basically what Hagar said. She said, God, I am broken. I am in pain. I am hurting. My heart is broken. And you see me. You are a God of seeing. You look after me. You haven't, in other words, you haven't forgotten me. Think about this. There are more than 7.7 .7 billion people on this planet, and you're not just a number to God. He sees you. 
He sees you. No matter where you're at, he sees you and he loves you. See, God's omniscience is so comforting to know that he loves us, to know that he sees us, even in our pain, is absolutely miraculous, amazing. The second of God's incommunicable attributes is his omnipotence. And just like omniscience, the word omnipotence is not found anywhere in the scriptures, yet God's power is evident throughout the scriptures, starting in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. In Genesis 1, God said, let there be light, and there was light. There was the sun, there, were the moon, there was the moon, and there were stars in HD 84406. And then God said, let the waters swarm with creatures. And suddenly, instantly, fish and all the marine mammals, seals and, and whales and sharks all appeared and filled the ocean. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures. And out of nowhere came animals, lions and tigers and bears. And in my neighborhood, coyotes and raccoons and skunks and possums. And then God said, let us make man in our image. And poof, right out of the dust came Adam. And out of his rib came Eve. You see, God is so powerful, he literally spoke the universe into existence. He spoke it into existence. In other words, he said it, and it was done. He said, that's power. God, God didn't go into the kitchen and say, I need a little bit of this, I need a little bit of this, i got to mix it all up, and that's how I get whatever he wants to create. No, God simply said, light, and there was light. Animals, and there were animals. Man, and there was man. God is so powerful. Several chapters later, you're looking at Genesis again. Several chapters later, when God told 75-year-old Abraham and 65-year-old, his 65-year-old wife Sarah, they were going to have a son. Can you imagine that? God told 75-year-old Abraham and 70, his 65-year-old wife Sarah that they were going to have a son. Sarah laughed. She laughed. If God told me that I was going to be a father at 75 years old, I wouldn't laugh. I would cry. <laughs> but she laughed. Here's what it says in Genesis 18, verse 2. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord, referring to Abraham, is old, shall I have pleasure? I mean, Sarah knew that it was biologically impossible for her, for them to have children. Knew that it was impossible for them to have children. And do you know how God reacted when she laughed, he asked her in Genesis 18, verse 14, he asked her, is anything too hard for the Lord? Sarah, is anything too hard for the Lord? This was his way of saying, Sarah, why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? Don't, don't you know I can do this? Don't you know that nothing is impossible for me? Don't you know that I have all the power to do this? And sure enough, he did. But God decided to have a little fun with it. He decided to inject a little humor into the situation. So he waited 25 years before he fulfilled the promise. And finally, when Abraham was 100 years old, 100 years old, not 80, not 85, not 90, but 100 years old, and Sarah was 90, God gave them a son. She gave birth to a son, and God got the last laugh. And they named their son Isaac, which in Hebrew means laughter. That's God with a sense of humor. And we see in this story that God is all powerful, that God can do anything. Jeremiah 32, 17, one of my favorite verses says, Ah, oh Lord God, ah, oh Lord God, it is you who have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. Nothing is too hard for you. It's a piece of cake for you. And if God could speak the universe into existence, then you know that he's powerful enough to do anything he wants to do. And here's what else, what else I want you to know about God's power. God is more powerful, number one, God's more powerful than Satan. Did you know that? God's more powerful than Satan. When the devil rebelled against God when he was an angel in heaven, what did God do? He kicked him right out. He says, get out of here. He kicked him right out and cast him down to earth. And one day, Revelation tells us that God's going to cast the devil right into the lake of fire where he's going to burn forever in hell. God is more powerful than Satan. Second, God is more powerful than all the rulers of the world. Do you know that? He's more powerful than all the kings and queens and presidents and prime ministers and governors and mayors and city council members out there. And this is so good to know. This is so good to know when, when, 
when we see in our world that there are tyrants and dictators, when there are corrupt politicians and evil leaders, it's so good to know that God is more powerful than all of them. And I love these next two verses. Daniel 2, verse 21 says, God changes times and seasons. He removes kings and he sets up kings. And Proverbs 21 says, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. King's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. This is so encouraging. In other words, the point is, at the end of the day, God is the one who decides who's going to be the president and who's not going to be the president. God is the one who's going to decide who the king is going to be and who the king isn't going to be. God is the one, not only that, he takes that president, he takes that king or that queen or whoever, that, that prime minister, whoever that is, and he's got their heart in his hands and he directs it any way he wants. He's God's will always prevails over leaders even if they don't believe in him. That's so good to know. God is more powerful than rulers. You know, the other day I was doing some reflecting and I was thinking about the fact that it, it wasn't until I was 39 years old that I preached my very first full-fledged sermon. And that's when we started this church. First time I really preached a sermon. 39, I was old. 39 years old. Before that, after I graduated from Pepperdine, I got a job at City Hall. I worked at City Hall. Worked for the city council. I, after that, I, as you know, I started a Mexican restaurant, managed a Mexican restaurant for a couple years. When that failed, I got a job working as a lobbyist in, in downtown Los Angeles. I worked for a law firm. Uh, as a lobbyist, I worked for, uh, then I, I, I got a job working as a deputy for one of the members of the county board of supervisors. And then I, my last job was I worked for the oil industry um, for a short time. And for most of those years, I never really thought about starting a church. Never really thought about it. And in fact, I really didn't give much thought to ever becoming a pastor. And then God intervened. God stepped in. And now that I've been doing this for 30 years, I can say that this was God's plan for me all along. It was, my, it was God's plan. It reminds me of Job 42, verse 2. And it says this. God said, I know, no, Job wrote, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. I know that you can do all things and no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In other words, you can't mess up God's plans. No matter how hard you try, you can't mess up God's plans. See, no one can stop God's plans. Whatever God wants to do, he's going to do. Whatever he wants to do in your life, He's going to do because God is in control. God is in control. He, whatever he wants you to go through, whatever you're going to go through, he, you're going to go through it. Whatever, and whatever God has in mind for us and the world in these last days, and I believe we're living in the last days. I don't know when Jesus is going to come. I hope it's soon. But whatever God has in mind for us in these last days, nothing will be able to thwart his plans. Not Putin, not Biden, not Xi Jinping, not a nuclear war, not World War III. Nothing is going to be able to thwart his plans. Everything will unfold exactly as God wants it to. God is more powerful than our plans because he is in control. Takeaway from that is you don't need to fret about what's going on in Ukraine. In fact, you don't need to fret about your future. You don't need to fret about your finances. You don't need to fret about your health. I mean, you should be concerned about all those things and you should be in constant prayer for those things and you can, should always seek wise counsel for those things and get help where you need to get help. But you don't need to worry about it because God is in control. Third, God is more powerful than death. He's more powerful than death. Ephesians 1, verse 18 through 20. And I'll get to the last part of this, starting at the end of verse 19. It says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. God raised Christ from the dead. We're going to celebrate that in just a few weeks. But God raised, can raise the dead. He is more powerful than death. And what do people fear most today? They fear dying. They fear the devil. And they fear corrupt leaders. And God is more powerful than all three of them. The final incommunicable attribute of God that I want to tell you about today is God's omnipresence. It's God's omnipresence. Now, there isn't a greater statement about God's omnipresence than the one that David gave us in Psalm 139. Let me read it to you, starting in verse 7. Here's what David wrote. He asked a rhetorical question, where shall I go from your spirit? 
Well, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. By the way, Sheol was in the Old Testament as a reference to a place of utter darkness, right? Verse 9, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the, earth, of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your, hand shall, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. Right? When, when he says here that uh, if I take the wings of the morning, that was a, an expression to convey distance. In other words, David was saying, if I go far, far away, no matter how far away I go, if I go to some remote distance, remote place where nobody's at, right, you are there. If it's day, you are there. If it's night, you are there. If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go to hell, you are there, right? No matter where I go, I can't run from God and I can't hide from God because God is everywhere. And I want you to know that the, the devil isn't omnipresent. He isn't, he isn't like God. The devil isn't omnipresent. Did you know that? Satan can't be everywhere at the same time. Satan can't be in Torrance and he can't be in Kiev at the same time, but God can and God is. God can't be confined to a building. And he can't be reduced to an image or a statue because God is everywhere. And that means he will be with you no matter where you go, no matter what you're going through. He will be with you through thick and thin. Psalm 23, verse 4, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Even when you go through the darkest valley, God will be with you. And Joshua 1.9 says, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Isn't that good? He will go with you wherever you go. If you go to the market, he will go with you. If you go to school, he will go with you. If you have to take an exam to your class, he will go with you to that class. If you have to go to the hospital this week to get your chemotherapy treatments or get dialysis, he will go with you. If you have to go on a business trip this week, he will go with you. If you have to go to a job interview, he will go with you. If you have to go to the mortuary to plan the funeral for a loved one, he will go with you. See, the implication of God's omnipresence are so far-reaching, it boggles the mind. You can't get away from God. I can't even begin to tell you the ways that God has changed my life simply because he is omniscient, omnipresent, and omnipotent. It has changed, for example, the way that I worship God. Because when I worship God, I'm not worshiping an image. And I'm not worshiping an object. I am worshiping the creator of the universe. Who, who not only made me, but he hung the stars in the skies and gave them a name. I'm worshiping someone who is so big that he is everywhere all at once. And I'm worshiping somebody who knows everything about me, yet loves me. See, there's no one like God. There's no one like him. And the thought of who God is ought to light a fire under your worship. I mean, there ought to never be anemic, lackluster worship in our church. Never should be, there be that kind of worship here because of who God is, right? God ought to inspire you to be excited. So get loud when you worship him because of who he is. Second, the three omnis changed my outlook, my general outlook on life. You know, when, when Ronald Reagan was president, he had on his desk, it's called the Resolute Desk, he had this little plaque, and it read, it can be done. You see it on the right side of his desk, it can be done. And the reason I love, I just love that plaque, and I loved it so much that when I visited the Reagan Library a number of years ago, I found a replica of it in the bookstore, and so I bought it, and I brought it home, and I... I have it on my shelf. I have it on my shelf uh, behind my desk. And the reason I love this is because I want, first of all, it's an expression. I believe it is an expression of a biblical truth that God is all-powerful, that God can do anything. And, uh, you know, Matthew 19, verse 26 says, with God all things are possible, right? With God, all things are possible. And I leave it there because I want to remind our staff every single day, and I want to remind all of our pastors, and I want to remind myself every single day that God can do anything, right? He can do anything. And 
God's omnipotence has inspired me to think big because God is big. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a so-called possibility thinker, right? But I believe that, that because God is omnipotent, omnipotent uh, we ought to think big. I don't believe there's any room in God's economy for small thinking. There shouldn't be any room for small thinking. So you're a young person, think big, right? If you're a young single person, think big, right? If you're a married couple, think big. If you're a businessman, think big, because with God, all things are possible. And that's how I've approached my life. That's how I've approached ministry. That's how I've approached our church. That's how I've approached problems, that God can do anything. Not because I'm powerful, but because God is powerful, because God can do anything. And so it's affected my outlook on life. Third, it's affected the way I pray, because when I pray, I endeavor to pray believing that God can do anything. I believe God can do anything. I believe that God can perform miracles because he's a miracle worker. I believe that God can move mountains because he's a mountain mover. Paul said it best in Ephesians 3.20. He said, I'll put the verse up here for you. I won't read it for you, but here's what he said. God can do more than we ask or think. God can do more than we ask or think. I don't know about you, but I can think a lot. God can do more than you think. Because God can do anything. And I believe that God delights in seeing our faith and hearing us pray and asking him to do that which is impossible. And some of you are facing, are facing today, you're facing some impossible situations. Maybe it's stage four cancer. And maybe the doctor's already said, you know, there's nothing we can do for you. God can do anything. God can do anything. So you pray, right? Maybe you're facing an impossible situation in your marriage or an impossible situation at home, impossible situation in a relationship, impossible situation at school, right? Pray in faith and ask God to do something great. Now, finally, I think that God's omniscience, omnipotence and omnipresence has changed my attitude about suffering and hardship. It's changed my attitude about suffering and hardship. You know, I've come to, to see, I've come to see how in control God is, how in control God is of our out-of-control world, right? We live in an out-of-control world today, but I've come to see, because of his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, how in control God is. God is in control, right? And today, I have a lot more peace than I used to, especially when I get bad news. I, get, I hear bad news all the time, right? So, Pastor, I hear bad news. And whenever I hear bad news, I'm, I'm, you know, just gives me a sense of peace that God is in control. God is in control. Someone once said, God can be ignored. You know, by the way, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, God will do what he pleases, right? He'll do what he pleases. But it's up to us to pray, right? It's up to us to have faith, right? God's will be done, always be done. But we ought to have faith. Someone once said that God can be ignored, but he can't be avoided. Isn't that true? God can be ignored, but he can't be avoided. Right? You can ignore God, but you can't avoid him. So here's my final question for you. How are things between you and God today? How are things between you and him today? Have you been ignoring him? More, I've heard, according to statistics, more church people are ignoring God today more than they ever have before. They're just ignoring him. What about you? Are you ignoring him? Are you trying to hide from him? Have you been running from him? Don't. The truth is, you can't avoid him because he's everywhere. God's all-powerful. God's all-knowing. And God is everywhere. Instead, draw near to him. Draw near to him. The Bible says if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And if you draw near to God, it will change everything. It will change everything. It will change how you worship him. It will change how you pray. It will change your outlook on life. It will change your view on suffering. Because there is no one like our God. Amen? Amen. Let's close our time in prayer.
There's no one like our God. No one like you, God. As you have your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I I wanna ask you that question one more time. How are things between you and God? How are things between you and God today? Have you been ignoring him? Have you been running from him? Have you been hiding from him? Maybe you've never surrendered your life to him. Never, maybe you've never said to him, I believe in you, God. You can ignore him, but you can't avoid him. So rather than ignore him, draw near to him today. Wherever you're at, wherever you're watching this message from, wherever you're listening to from, whether you're sitting in the tent, under the tent or in the lobby or here in the main worship center, draw near to God. Why don't you say this to him? Everybody, say this to him. Dear God, forgive me for all those times when I've ignored you. Forgive me for all those times I've run away from you and I've tried to hide from you. Lord, no longer do I want to do that, but I want to draw near to you. I believe that Jesus was your son. I believe he died on the cross for my sins and you raised him from the dead because you have the power to do that. Today, God, I draw near to you. Draw near to me. And Lord, change me. Let the knowledge of your omnipotence and your omniscience and your omnipresence change me. Let it change the way I worship you because there is no one like you. Let it change the way I pray to you because you can do all things. Let it change the way I look at life because nothing is impossible for you. And let it change the way I look at suffering and hardship because you are in control. So Father, thank you so much. We thank you so much for who you are. God, now change us. And now as we worship you, Lord, let our worship be loud because there is no one like you. Thank you, Father. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.